Thanks. Good morning, church family. Um, as always, it is an honor to be here with you this morning. Um, if we have not met, my name is Cameron. I'm going to continue introducing myself until I've been here for long enough to where I think I don't have to. Um, I am the student minister here at The Gathering, and it is always an honor uh, to, to be present with you in the service, whether I am uh, sitting in the front with my students or um, up here on the stage. Um, this church is a joy for me in my life. My hope is that it is the same for you. Um, this morning, we start the first Sunday of the month of November, and we really get into um, this month. This month is going to look a little different, so I get to be the preface for you this morning. I get to give you a little heads up as to what Sunday mornings are going to look like in this month. Um, so, David is taking a sabbatical from preaching for the month, which we are so thankful for. David is a hardworking man. He pours so much into this church, and I don't know how long it's been since you've taken a sabbatical from preaching, but it's been too long. So uh, we are excited for him to have rest, and we encourage you in that. We are comforted in that, um, and we're thankful because we have so many incredible guys to uh, come up here and, and share um, as well. So I'm not speaking about myself. That sounded like I was bigging myself up. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so so I will be preaching this Sunday. Um, my good friend, Will, will be preaching next Sunday. Will doesn't go to our church, but uh, he is in seminary right now and uh, is looking to give everything that he has in his life to the Lord. So David saw an opportunity to uh, have him come and pour into our church, which we're incredibly thankful for. Um, then the following Sunday, Jacob's going to be preaching. And then the following Sunday, Stephen's going to be preaching. And so um, this, this month will be great, and I, I'm encouraged by what all the Lord will be doing in our church in this time. Um, with that being said, we also have a different series this month. So we just wrapped up 2 Thessalonians last week. Um, if you did not listen to David's sermon, I would incredibly encourage you to go back and do that for a number of reasons. Um, one would be uh, so that you can find peace. Uh, that is really what he was talking about last week, but also his sermon leads uh, very well into, into what I'm preaching on this morning. So those, those two going hand in hand, it may help you to understand unity, which is what I'm looking at this morning. Um, but we're not really in a specific topic series this month. So because we're in between series um, and, and David is on sabbatical, what he's asked us to do is to come and, and preach what the Lord has laid on our hearts. And what I want to encourage you in and what, to, I want, what I want to ensure for you is that this is still some exegetical preaching. We will still be preaching exactly what the Bible says, and we will be preaching from Scripture. So I'm not coming up here and telling you what I want to tell you or what the Lord... I think has been teaching me uh, just based on my words, but I am looking to scripture this morning and, and sharing with you what I believe his scripture uh, has, has, has revealed to me. So this morning we will be in 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 8. Um, so if you want to go ahead and flip your Bibles there, um, this morning we will be discussing the topic of unity. Um, I, I have been wrestling with unity for a while, um, trying to figure out what the role of unity is in our lives as church members, but um, really, how do we go about operating in unity? I have been, um, I, I have, I have struggled with unity in my life, uh, time and time again. I think I, I've, I've, I've uh, been a, a division of unity. I think I, I have lost sight of it many times. 
Um, so what I am sharing with you this morning, the Lord has been sharing with me because he's trying to help me figure it out. Um, but I am super excited and encouraged to share uh, what the Lord has been sharing with me this morning. Um, so if you've got your Bibles open, let's look at 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. It says this, Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, and tender heart, and a humble mind. That's my main scripture for this morning. We're going we're gonna to be looking at 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8 this morning. And I, and I believe Peter has so much for us in these few words that, that we really need to look into it, really need to figure out what in the world he's talking about. So first for some context, Peter is writing to the persecuted church. Peter is writing to church uh, members, uh, uh, Christians who are being persecuted for their beliefs and they are being run through the coals. They're being run through the fire. Uh, these, these Christians are hurting and Peter is writing to them to encourage them in a number of ways. And we get to 1 Peter chapter 3, and in chapter 3, he is encouraging the persecuted church to love their enemies, which is crazy when you say it out loud, (laughs) because loving somebody who is intentionally trying to hurt you has got to be one of the hardest things to do. Am I alone in that? Because I I have been there. It can be difficult to uh, love the guy who keeps scoring points on me in pickleball. It can be difficult to love the guy who's rubbing it in that his baseball team is winning. It can be difficult to to love the person who who just cut me off in traffic, right? Those are all of my enemies in life. And man, do I have it made if those are the only enemies I have in my life. But uh, we, we have people who maybe we're just not, we're not grooving with. Things happen in our lives. You have people who may be against you, um, but, but regardless of where you are in your life, this message is for you because it is not simply just for the people who are against you or the people who are persecuting you, but it is for the people who are sitting next to you. Unity is not just for the people who may be blatantly against you, but unity is for your husband or your wife. Unity is for your kids, your coworkers, your teammates. Your, your, your school friends, whatever. Unity is for you and unity is for those around you. And let me tell you, I think unity is something that we botch often. I think we just assume that unity takes place because we go to the same place on Sundays and we hang out with the same people maybe because we say hi and tell people that we care about them in brevity and in passing. And then, and then unity happens, right? That's just how it works. We're all united doing the same thing. But the truth is we're doing it in a lot of different places. And I don't actually know what your lives look like for a lot of you. I'm just speaking truth. And that is in part my fault because I have not been intentional in connecting with each of you and asking you what your life looks like and being there with you to walk with you in unity. This is something we're called to as a church. This is something we're called to be with one another, having the same mind in Christ Jesus and longing to see other people see Christ as well. Unity for us, for this body, means being there for one another. It means loving one another. It means caring. Unity for this body means following Jesus as closely as we can. The unity for this body, I think, is revealed to us in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. So let's look at it. It says, finally, all of you have unity of mind. 
Here's an interesting thing about unity. For me, I, I, I have always considered it to be a passive thing. Like, you know, we go to the same church and we believe in Jesus together. And so we, we are united, right? That's how it goes. You guys ever like do things passively and then you're like, yeah, I'm a good guy or I'm a good person because I do things the right way. It's just, it's just in my nature. For me, I think it, I was raised up to be a, a loving person. I, I, I think I can listen fairly well. And I think I, I am I'm naturally inclined to go out of my way to show people that I care about them. That is a very natural thing for me to do. But that does not mean that I am necessarily good at loving people because in order to love somebody, it is a choice. Regardless of your relationship, loving somebody is a decision that you have to make. And yes, I may be good at it passively, but that is to no credit of my own. I have to make the intentional decision to say, you know what, I'm gonna love this person today. And sometimes that's easy and sometimes that, that is hard. Our society tells us that, that loving people is from the heart. Our hearts are what show love to people. There's literally a whole stinking holiday with hearts everywhere for love, right? The Valentine's Day is love, 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 heart, 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 whatever. I would argue that love happens more in our minds than it does in our hearts because our hearts will go, yeah, I'm not feeling it today. But our minds go, it doesn't matter because I choose to love people. In the same way, unity is a decision. Unity is of the mind. I think for us often, we say passively, we are united as one, but when do we put effort into it? And what does that look like? Unity of mind is consciously going, I care for these people, I love them, and I am with them. I choose to be with them. And that's not choosing to be with them when we have a potluck thing on Sunday mornings. That's not choosing to sit next to the people that you care about in church. That's not, that's not choosing to go to Bible study and talk to people the way that you would talk to them in Bible study or whatever. Unity is not on Sunday mornings. Unity is not in this building, but it goes much further than from this building. Unity is something that we must pursue intentionally with our minds. It must be presently something that we're considering. And so as you're considering unity, I, I, I'm really, I'm, I've been wrestling with this a little bit. Because I can often go, okay, yes, I'm choosing love. I'm choosing love, right? Sometimes I'll get a text or a call or somebody will say something weird to me or whatever. And I go, okay, I'm gonna choose love in this moment. Sometimes I don't, I'm not perfect. Sometimes I don't, but I choose love when I can, right? I don't think that unity necessarily is the same way because in choosing to love somebody, it is that step towards unity. So what I'm going to encourage you in this morning, church, is not to have your mind presently on unity, but it is to have your mind presently on Jesus. And the rest will come. Let me look at uh, Philippians chapter two, uh, verses five through 11 with you. Um, see, I... I have this weird thing. I don't know if you're flipping with me or not. I know it's gonna be on the screen. So this is my stall moment. If you're gonna go to Philippians chapter two, you've got like two more seconds. Um, Philippians chapter two, verses five through 11, speak to uh, a, 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 excuse me, Philippians chapter two, verses one through five, speak to a great humility um, and, and a great uh, sympathy and a great love that stems from one place. So let's look at it. It says, so if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accordance and of one mind. 
Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Having this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Philippians 2, 1 through 5 tell us that unity comes in all of these different ways by being in the same mind, having the same love, living in humility, counting others as more significant than yourselves, um, caring about their interests. And it all stems from uh, if there's any encouragement in Christ, if there is any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, if these things are working in you, then this is what's to come. Look at verse five, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, place your minds on the Savior. Place your minds on Jesus. Live in the Spirit, and these things will come. Looking back at 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8, I love it because it all is interworking. It overlaps. It's like one of those, uh, you call it a Venn diagram or something like that with the two bubbles and then there's like that middle section, right? There's stuff over here, stuff over here, and the stuff in the middle. All of these things that Peter tells the persecuted church all kind of overlap. Like to have unity of mind, to be united. He then says to live with sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a, hum a humble mind right? Don't all of those kind of things kind of sound like they work together? Like there are separate things and they work individually, but they also kind of do the same thing. In order to have a humble mind, don't you have to have a tender heart and a brotherly love? Don't you have to have sympathy for others? I think this is really interesting because to have a unity of mind then comes with all of these other things. And I think these are checks for us. If I'm gonna say that I have unity of mind, if I am looking to be united with my fellow believers, am I sympathetic? Am I loving them well? Am I humble? So let's look, let's look at the, the next one. So he says, unity of mind, and then he says, sympathy. Sympathy, not something I would have picked. I'm gonna be honest, because I really... Wasn't there. A couple months ago, I, I genuinely didn't have that concept in my mind. And, and here, here's where I'm going with this. Sympathy is, is, is to understand the person that you are sympathizing for and feel for them where they are. That's, sympathy is to understand somebody and feel for them, to care about where they are, what they're seeing, what they're feeling, what they know. To sympathize with somebody means you must first know them right? And, and, and like I shared before, some of you I know, there are a lot of you I don't. And in order for us to have unity, must I first seek out knowing you? I believe the answer is yes. We should know one another so that we can sympathize with one another, so that we can love one another, so that we can live in unity together. That's how this whole picture works out. I, I went to um, dinner a few months ago with the Levitts. Uh, um, Karen and Jeff, I'm gonna pick on you guys for just a second. That's not really picking. Um, but I, I knew Karen and Jeff in, in like one right. And then they had me over to their house and we had dinner with one another and they shared their testimonies with me. And I learned so many incredible things about the lives of the Levitts. They're great people. If you don't know them, I'm, I'm not kidding. Walk over there when I'm done or when Kevin's done or whatever and go talk to them, Okay. I, lo I left their home that night knowing them in a completely different way. Like I knew new people 
leaving that time. And, and now I know better ways to care for them. I, I know where they are in life and I have a better idea of how I can love them. I can sympathize for them. And as we're working together, I can maybe even picture what they're seeing a little differently because I know where they've been. Interesting thing about, uh, about unity and, and this sympathy, God gave us so many incredible things and he gave us two eyeballs. He gave us two eyes, right? Life is seen for us from these two eyeballs. This is what I can take in. And oftentimes I think what I am seeing and what I know is reality and truth across the board. And the matter of the fact is it's not. I have two eyeballs, just like you have two eyeballs, just like you have two eyeballs. The thing is, I see things differently than you a lot of the times because you have lived different life. You are standing from a different perspective. Like seriously, I'm not the best with art. I, I don't, I don't, I mean, I get it. Like I get it, but like those, those, those paintings where somebody has kind of just like, taking like splattered stuff on the thing and then they sell it for like a million dollars. I don't get that necessarily. I'm working on it. A friend of mine has really been like, okay, you got the, look, come on, come look at this art. And I'm like, yeah. But what I have come to understand better as you like go to a museum or something like that, a piece of art is seen from many different perspectives. So to understand the artist, to understand why they painted it, to understand what they were trying to portray and to understand what I am seeing are all completely different things that to speak to whatever I'm looking at. It, it might even be, I'm looking at it from this perspective and then I look at it from this perspective and it's like, oh, the light. I don't know. I, I'm just saying there are different perspectives in life. I, I genuinely don't know about that whole art thing. It's just on my mind. Uh, there, there are different perspectives in life that are important for us to understand because in tr- to truly understand one another, to truly care for one another, to truly love somebody, you need to know where they are. Um, I remember, um, uh, goodness, it was a couple years ago. My dad and my stepmom, they were uh, taking this, uh, 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 the five love languages test or whatever. I think they had taken it before. If you've not heard of this, there are basically five love languages and we all experience, like like we, we appreciate love in certain ways and we show love in other ways. I don't know, I haven't really looked into it all that much, but there's like there's like quality time and, and physical touch and, and um, um, uh, uh, the gifts and I don't know, there's other ones. I know, how to love Jacob because Jacob likes quality time and physical touch, right? Those are, right, right? So like, I know how to love Jacob. I'll just go give him a hug and we'll hang out for a couple hours, right? So I can love Jacob in that way over giving him gifts. My point is to truly love somebody the way that they experience love, you must know the way that they feel love. To live in unity with one another, I think that we need to understand the way that one another works so that we can live in harmony together so that we can live in harmony better. Because if I don't understand that about you, I, I, I may not rub right with you. I have learned so much about working with the students uh, over the past year plus and, and, and coming to know them better and, and how to lead a ministry and all of this kind of stuff. One thing that I've learned in this process is that everybody is individual. Everybody is unique. Everybody is awesome. I just have to get to know them. I've seen that in this series that we've been going through on Wednesday nights, looking at testimonies and helping them to understand how Jesus has worked in their lives, listening to their testimonies, listening to others' testimonies. But but I think the way that I've really gotten to understand this is just by talking to them. 
I'm going to pick on you, a couple of you for just a second, okay? Uh, an, another person who is a physical time and a, or a, a, a quality time and a physical touch person would be Andrew Price. If I want to hang out with Andrew, I'm going to go give him a hug. We're going to hang out and play video games together while he like, like whoops me in video games for however long we play, right? Like I beat him one time and I just hold that over his head because it was awesome. Um, so if I'm going to love Andrew, that's what we're going to do, right? I, I think if I'm going to love uh, a, an Eleanor, I'm going to listen to what Eleanor is sharing because it is always interesting whether regardless of whether or not it is Taylor Swift or or something else it is always interesting and the fun thing about it is it's always really beautiful too she she loves to show you her art and all of these kinds of things and so I can love Eleanor by just being there with her for her and like and seeing what she has to share with me um I can be there for Hannah and I can love Hannah by literally just sitting there. Like she doesn't really want me to talk to her half of the time. She, she doesn't like my jokes. Like uh, I, I, like I, 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 for a while I thought she hated me. And then I realized I just have to sit there with her and she can know that I care for her and I love her by just being present with her. I have sought out, sought, sought out unity in my relationships with these students by getting to know them. And I can be there for them and I can love them by knowing them, by trying to live life and see from their perspective the ways that they've lived life. And everybody's different. Everybody's got something. Everybody is looking at it differently. Miscommunication happens when we're not understanding the other person's perspective. I took a couple of communication classes in college and I know one of the first things they told me was communication is about two things. It's about what you say and it's about the way that they hear it about what you say and the way that they hear it. And the, the most recent example of this that I have in my life, what was it? You, when was the Titans game, boys? What, what night was that this week? Thursday? I, I, Jeffrey came home from watching the Titans game and I was like, oh, how'd it go? And he said, oh, yeah, like won or lost, I can't remember. And then he said, uh, or we, we were talking about it, we were talking about, what was this? It was the Steelers, they played the Steelers. And I was like, oh, cool, who's, who's the Steelers quarterback? And he was like, pick it. I was like, um, I don't know. Who? Who is it? And he's like, can, can, can you pick it? And I was like, dude, I don't know. And then he walked away like I was being goofy. I didn't know what he was saying. Apparently the Steelers quarterback's name is Kenny Pickett. We worked that out. He explained it to me. We, we hugged it out. Um. Communication breaks down when we don't consider the other person's perspective. And as we are living in harmony with one another, as we're pursuing unity, it is important to communicate with one another well. And for me to be able to say what I want you to hear, I need to know who you are. That's, that's often the case. Looking past sympathy, though, actually, I'm not ready to look past sympathy. Let's look at Romans 12, uh, verses 14 through 21. It says this, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one for evil, no, no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. 
to live in sympathy with one another, I mean, it can be hard. People can hurt us. Sometimes mistakes are made. Sometimes things are really intentional and it kind of stinks. But Paul tells us there that it is not our job to repay evil with evil. It is not our job to avenge ourselves, but it is our job to love people. Rejoice with the people who are rejoicing around you. Don't curse them. Live in harmony with one another. Don't be haughty, but associate with the lowly. And if somebody is messing with you, don't mess back, but love them. This is the way that God has called us to live. And it helps us to do that if we can understand what they're going through, what they're living in. And I I think in my life, I've gotten really angry with people because they have done something to hurt me or something like that, or they've just made a lot of really dumb decisions and it's like, all feels like it's against me. And I've just felt very angry with them. And then what helps me is realizing what they're seeing and what they're going through and realizing that their intention wasn't necessarily to hurt me. How else can I experience forgiveness? How else can I share it? if we're not truly considering one another and loving each other, because I mess up, you mess up. And if we simply chalk it up to this is a bad person, we're missing the memo. Because when we chalk it up to this is a bad person, we chalk it up as to they don't deserve Jesus from me. Jesus is not mine. He's not yours. I mean, he is, but he's ours. And I'm not hogging him. Sympathy comes with love. In 1 Peter chapter three, Peter then goes to brotherly love and a tender heart. To sympathize with people means you actually have to care. You have to care. It's so important, the love of Christ being within our hearts, being present on our minds for any of the rest of this to work. To be united together, we must first love one another. Another funny story. Um, when I was in college at UTC, I, and my dad would tell you this, I had a major but I think I spent more time on ping pong than I did my degree. Like I spent, there was a ping pong table. And so I, I just kept playing ping pong and did not do school. I loved ping pong. And I, I'm just gonna be honest with you, where I am right now, I don't regret it. I loved every second of it. And oh, by the way, if we play ping pong today, I haven't been playing as much, but I'm competent enough to go, I think I can win. Cause Josh is good at ping pong. Josh is good at ping pong. And it scared me, but we held, we held have we actually played? I know we hit it around at one point. I can't remember, um, but but the point is, like, I love ping pong. My freshman year, I came in and I was hanging out with this group of people, and like, I didn't know them all that well. We were still trying to get to know one another, but our, you, the, the thing that we cared about was ping pong. We were playing ping pong together. Okay, and I'm gonna explain this next part in the most detail and yet as little detail as I can because I know that I do this, but I don't know if anybody else do this does this because it's not a part of my conversations. When I wear clothes. <laughs> I wear, like, like if it's cold outside, I'll wear a sweatshirt, right? 
but I'll wear a shirt underneath the sweatshirt because if it gets hot, I might want to take the sweatshirt off, right? That makes sense. Are we all tracking? Okay, I do the same thing when I'm wearing sweatpants. I wear shorts underneath so that if it gets hot, I can take the sweatpants off, right? That's my thought process. I don't know if that's legit, but it's how I work, okay? And so one day when I was playing ping pong, it was a day similar to the weather that we've been having recently, cold outside, but it gets warm later. And so I'm wearing sweatpants with shorts and a hoodie with a shirt underneath. And we start to play ping pong, start to get a little hot. So I take the hoodie off and I keep playing and I start to get a little hot. So I just drop the sweatpants and everybody goes, oh my gosh, put your gone. What are you doing? Shorts, leave me alone. Nobody knew that I was wearing shorts under my pants except for me. And how considerate was I to just drop my pants in the middle of the room that I was in while everybody was just there. Every, no, the, 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 no, my friends never let me go over that. They just kept saying, hey, you remember that time that Cameron dropped his pants in the middle of the room? And they'd say that around strangers. And then everybody's like, what are you doing with your pants off in the middle of the room? Because they didn't explain the story. They didn't make me look very good. My point is, I didn't consider the way that they were seeing life. I didn't consider the way that they felt in that moment. I didn't consider what they were seeing. They didn't know I was wearing shorts underneath my sweatpants. So from then on, I, I went to another room to take my sweatpants off. Okay, that's, that's, that's the, uh, <laughs> really that's the point of my sermon this morning is go to the other room to, to change. Um, but it takes, it, it, it's interesting because I, I, I did that that one time, right? And I could have just continued doing it because, well, I knew I had shorts on and it wasn't gonna hurt anybody, right? But I could continue doing that and everybody would go, right? But, I didn't do that because I cared for the people that I was around. I was like, you know what? I'm not trying to scare everybody today. So I'm going to go change in the other room, you know? Sometimes brotherly love looks like sacrificing something that we may consider to be fine for somebody else. Sometimes brotherly love means considering someone else's perspective and going out of your way to care for them. I think that is what Jesus calls us to. You know, this, this whole unity thing is really difficult. It, it truly is. I mean, we live in a divided country over so many things, right? I'm, I'm, I, I'm not wrong. You just turn on the TV um, and then flip to a couple different channels. That, that would be my suggestion. And you will see that our country is very divided on a lot of things. But it is certainly important to consider the thought processes of others it is certainly important to love people in your approach. But I, what I would argue is much more important than all of what I have described is to never let go of truth. In your pursuit of unity, truth is what unites us. Think about this. There are people who pursue unity in every day. Hey, can't we just all be nice to each other? Can't we all just be good? Can't we all just be friends? That literally has not worked ever. It doesn't stand on its own. Unity is defined by truth. Unity is surrounded by truth. Unity is truth lived out in our lives. Unity only comes through Jesus. And when we abandon truth, we abandon Jesus and we're pursuing something that he has not called us to. Unity is truth. Truth is Jesus. But Jesus is also love. So that I want you to understand this morning, 
is that to be united with people and to love them, you must speak truth to them too. This isn't just about knowing somebody. This isn't just about loving somebody. It's about speaking truth. It's about living in truth. It's about placing your mind on Jesus. The last thing that uh, Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 3, I'm, I'm going to go over, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm really going to try, but it may go over a little bit, is to have a humble mind, to have a humble mind. What does that look like? What does it mean to have a humble mind? And I'm, I'm stealing, this, stealing this from every other person who's stolen this phrase. Humility is not about thinking less of yourself, but it's about thinking of yourself less. Here's my example with this. Um, Robbie, if you're watching online, I apologize. Um, My younger brother, Robbie, um, is one of my favorite people in life. He is one of my closest friends. I'm so proud of him. He's such an incredible man. He's my younger brother. And for my entire life, he has never been humble once. He wins and makes sure that you know he won. And it, it is annoying. But like the really annoying part about it is, is he's good at everything. But here's my point. So like when we were kids, he would, we would play games and all of this kind of stuff. It didn't matter what we did. He would win. And I'm, I'm not joking. He would win. I won. He'd go upstairs, talk about for weeks. I won. Mom, I won. He comes home still today talking about how awesome he is at whatever he's doing. And I'm like, yes, good for you. It's not the most humble attitude though. Humility for Robbie does not mean that he's thinking less of himself. Like, ah, you know, the truth is I'm really not that awesome. You know, I kind of suck. I could be a lot better. Humility for Robbie is not saying those things to himself because Robbie, you are awesome. You are awesome and you do win. It's not thinking less of himself, but it is thinking about himself less. Because if he were thinking about himself less, he would go, you know what? I did just win and I do feel awesome because I am awesome. But maybe I don't run around and rubbing that in. Considering the way that other people feel. When you are thinking about yourself less, you are allowing yourself to think about other people more. And here's the most important thing that you should be thinking about. When you are thinking about yourself less, you allow yourself to think about Jesus more. And in thinking about Jesus more, you're thinking about other people more. Uh, Let's see. Uh, Colossians chapter three, verses 11 through 13 say this. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, uh, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on them as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness and humility, meekness and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Holy and beloved, compassionate, kind, humble, meek, and patient. Once more, I see a bunch of words that all mean their own thing, but really come together to say something very similar. To be humble, I think, means to be kind, to be patient, bearing in love, to be compassionate, to be meek. I think to be humble means to be holy, if you're doing it right, 
Humility is a very big part of this unity thing because in unity, all I've been telling you this morning is to think about other people, but in order to think about other people, you've got to stop thinking about yourself so much. I mean, we live in a world where people just think about themselves like all of the time. This social media stuff, it is quite literally, how can I make myself look as good as I can on the internet for a lot of people? And then for some of them, that is how they make their money. How unhealthy is that? People make money by posting themselves and making themselves look good online. One, how can you do that? Like, I get tired of myself. Like, for, for one, I don't, I don't get that. But two, how in the world can you be healthy if that's all you're considering? Because I gotta be honest, church, as I keep thinking about myself, I gotta get tired of me because I am not enough. I fall short in a lot of ways. So I choose to quit thinking about myself so much and start thinking about Jesus. Because in all of those shortcomings, in all of those ways that I, I, I am not that great, Jesus is better. In all of the times that I feel like I am not enough, Jesus covers that. And he totally, totally is enough. Humility is a very important part of this because as we seek unity, as we care for one another, we lay ourselves down. But then as we speak truth, we, us, we must also be humble in that too. I can't tell you how many times I've walked around puffing my chest out like, I know what's going on right now. I know, I know how to help you. I, I know what the truth is about this situation. I know what's going on. And then people will just dismiss me or ignore me. People will lock me out of their minds and their hearts because I walked around like I knew what was going on. Jesus didn't come here to go sit on a throne and rule over the world with, 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 with the crown and, 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 and all of the things, acting like he knew everything. If you guys want an example of humility, look to Jesus and understand that Jesus loves us in a humility that, that is mind-breaking. Like, I, I can't even describe it. Uh, uh, Philippians Chapter two, uh, I think, let me make sure I'm saying the right thing here. Yeah, uh, Philippians chapter two, verses five through 11. This is a follow-up to what we read before. Say this, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality of God a thing to be grasped. Let me read the same line again. Just kidding. Um, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted himself and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God. There, there are a couple things that I want to point out to you really quickly because I am going long. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. If there is a uniting thing for us, we know that every knee 
should bow to the name of Jesus. You want to be united in something? Be united in that. Every tongue should confess the name of Christ. You want to be united in something? Unite in that. You want to love people? Love people in that. You want to live for something? Live for that. That every tongue and every knee, that all is for the glory of God the Father. And recognize too that that Jesus, like, though he was of the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. He was not sitting there trying to be anything. He was not trying to, to, to raise up anything, but yet in direct obedience, took his life to the cross and died for you and me. Man, if, if God will humble himself in that way to die for me, what am I doing living a haughty life? Acting like I have something to, 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 to brag about. Acting like I have something to, 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 to claim as my own for me. There's this thing about humility that I want to make very clear. Humility is not about thinking of yourself less, and it's not even just about being a meek person. You are to have confidence in who Christ Jesus has made you to be. You are who you are, and that is incredible. But church, be humble in your attitude. Jesus came and walked on this earth, the greatest of the greatest people to ever walk on planet earth. Number one, knowing exactly who he was, confident and yet humble, gentle and lowly. This is how Christ has called us to live. Live humbly. Seek unity. Place your mind on Jesus. I'm telling you, if you, if you want a trick to make all of this go better, that's it. Place your mind on Jesus. When you are thinking about Jesus, these things come to light because if you know Jesus and you're thinking about him, it's, it's like those what would Jesus do bracelets or something. It's like, okay, I'm thinking about Jesus. This is what Jesus would do here. This is what I'm gonna do here. Church family, there is a great and desperate need for unity in your life, in the lives of people around you. I'm not saying that as a question or a theory. I'm saying it as a fact. Jesus wouldn't have talked about it. Jesus wouldn't have lived it. Paul wouldn't have written about it, nor would Peter if it wasn't a big deal. Unity is greatly needed for you in your life and for the the lives of people around you. What does that look like for you? We just talked about all of the, what our heart posture should be, I think, going into unity. But what I have not done is told you how to do it because the truth is, I don't know what that looks like for you. I mean, there are some blanket statements that I can make, but unity for you looks very different in each and every one of your lives because all of your lives are very different. But what I can say is seek out unity in this church body. Seek out unity in your marriage, in your family. Seek out unity in your workplace. Seek out unity in your school, in your relationships, on your sports teams, in your clubs. Seek out unity where your feet are, 
place your mind on Jesus where you are. And I wholeheartedly believe that unity will be worked out in and through you. There is a desperate need for Jesus in this world. And with Jesus, we find unity. And there is a desperate need for unity in this world. Place your minds on the Lord, church. Live for him. Seek out unity in your lives. Will you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for your love, your compassion, God, is abundant. Your forgiveness, your grace, and your mercy far greater than I can comprehend. But Jesus, I pray for unity in this place. I pray for a great desire to be stirred up amongst our church family to seek out unity here and now, to be unified as we go out together in wherever you have us. Lord, would you equip this church body to seek out unity in this city? Would you equip your people, oh Lord, to bring about unity in our world. Lord, make you our only desire. Make your thoughts our thoughts. Bring us wisdom and discernment. Help us to be peaceable and have peace. Grow us and mold us to be unified in you, in truth, in love, in humility, in sympathy. Help us to be rooted in you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.